0: Shaking Cats and Kittens, Rob Lee here for this month's presenting sponsor, Night Owl Gallery. Night Owl Gallery is an intimate artist run exhibition space showcasing the original paintings and fine art prints of Beth Ann Wilson. Also, it features curated goods from local artists and craftsmen. You'll be sure to find one of a kind gifts, handcrafted jewelry, home decor items, along with a few vintage treasures. Located in the rear of 248 South Conklin Street in Highlandtown, across from its Sally O's. Night Owl Gallery is a unique space that brings together Wilson's love of the arts, community, and culture. Additionally, Night Owl Gallery hosts an array of arts and crafts workshops throughout the year and participates in community events, many of which are free and open to the public. So in this ever-changing world, safety is their priority. So feel free to join them and hit them up online at www.nightowl.gallery. Tell them Rob Lee sent you welcome to getting to the truth in this art i am your host rob lee and this is on mtr podcast uh today's guest is a baltimore-based visual artist and craftswoman primarily working within the realm of sculpture and ceramics the winner of the 2021 sondheim artscape prize we have Heywan san welcome to the podcast
1: thank you rob <laughs> nice to be here <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm going to work on doing it as a boxing intro, mm-hmm. <laughs> just do the whole the whole thorn, or even I don't know how old you are, but even the uh, the Chicago Bulls, like coming out there and just have all the music in the background, just playing
1: mm-hmm. need that energy.
0: <laughs> That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm trying to do.
1: Yeah, so, it's definitely hyping, hyping me up. <laughs> yeah, I got to gas you up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so so thank you. I feel like I have like another illustrious guest on. So, yes, we're here. So let's get into it. Um, describe your work and talk about how you got into um, get into your work.
1: Um, yeah. Um, so as you described, I have my background in ceramics. Um, so I come from South Korea um, and then I came to the States to pursue my graduate studies. Um, back in Korea and here, I both studied ceramics and that's kind of how like my foundation is for my art practice um these days i'm a little bit hesitant to call myself a ceramic artist because i don't necessarily use clay in the final outcome it's very um, involved and engaged in the process of making um, but i don't like fire things or i don't make pottery um so i would say like i'm very material centric Sure. Um, right. These days, like I use plaster, um, aluminum foil has been the material that I've been tapping into. Um, but yeah, so like I work with material. I invest, I investigate it. Like I try to build a new relationship rather than like how it's conventionally dealt with. Sure. Um, so these days, um, I'm currently, I'm not in Baltimore currently during the summer, I'm in New York. I'm pursuing a summer residency, Um, And I'm trying to explore the imagery of my work um, rather than the physicality of the sculptures that I've been making. Um, So the residency that I'm doing right now um, is very focused on cultural exchange between the artists, um, intellectual exchange, or just any kind of like exchange, like friendship or whatsoever. Um, We also do a lot of studio visits. And I was very lucky enough to have a – heartbreaking studio visit as my first one. (laughs) It was was very challenging. Um, You know, I had so much pride on like being this um, artist who is like craft-based, like dealing with materials physically. Um, And I thought that was like the strong point of my work. Um, But this first um, studio visit that I had, um, the creator and the writer, she questioned the physicality of my work. She was like, She thought that was limiting my work Mm -hmm. in some sense. So these days I'm kind of um, thinking between physicality and materiality, if they are intertwined or they can be separate. Yeah. Um, so I'm working, I don't know if you see, like, in the background in my studio, like, I have some, like, images of prints hanging on the wall. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to find a way um, to free myself from the physical material, but at the same time, augment the materiality through another medium or, like, translating it to the digital or, like, the v- virtual space. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would describe my current practice. Um, yeah. And sorry, what was the other question?
0: <laughs> um, and uh, and ultimately, why did you um, go into art versus, let's say, why did you go into this side of art versus, let's say, music or versus uh, an, another area, let's say, visual, like painting or something? Why would you choose this particular discipline?
1: Um, I don't know if I can say I chose it. Definitely, at some point in my life, it was a decision that was made um but it wasn't very like autonomous um so you know as a kid I think like most artists would relate to this like as a kid I just loved making I love drawing like I have four I have three aunts and I like they also like they're very artsy they doodle on their notebook and like I was that mean like um the the niece who would like doodle on top of their doodling and like make them really mad (laughs) um so like you know just making and like drawing was part of my hobby or like my interest as a kid like throughout my teenage years um but i grew up in south korea so um i don't know if you know about the south korean education but like it's very heated up like my parents they wanted me to be professional they wanted me to be educated Mm -hmm. Um, So like in high school, I I was really into math and like science, and I thought I would become like either a doctor or architect. Um, But when it came to actually applying to college, so in Korea, compared to the United States, where you can, um, you go into college and you do this foundation year where you can explore different majors and then choose later on. Um, In Korea, you have to choose a major before you go into college. So you have to Apply to a specific major, even before you know what you want to do. So, like, I was really struggling in my senior year in high school. Like, when it came to the time applying for college, like, I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And like, for the things I want to do, my Korean SAT scores doesn't meet the expectation. (laughs) Yeah. So I had this. Um, I had this moment with my father, like, really seriously discussing about my future, what I need to do, um, and. It was really interesting because my father, like for me, he was always very orthodox and like traditional, um, very strict. But when it came to discussing my future, um, he will, he really looked into like what I enjoy in my daily life. And he yeah. suggested like, I know that you like drawing and making whatsoever. So like, why not study for another year, prepare to go to art school? So yeah. I was like, cool like I never knew I could pursue art as a profession um, I don't know how it's gonna go I don't know where it's gonna go but it means that I don't need to study for another year I just need to work on a portfolio which for me is like a fun thing so like I took the deal and I um, I got into this college of ceramics program and the reason I chose um, a ceramics major was very like vague like I knew nothing about the ceramics history um, I was just like you know I like making 3D um, and among the craft materials, it was either metal craft or like ceramic craft. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not the metal kind of person. Like, <laughs> I had a, I had a really strong bias, like, bias like for the materials. Like to me, like ceramics, it just felt more earthy, more. Um, grounded um yeah. rough and like organic and natural whereas like metal feel more cold like, it just didn't match my personality yeah. um and also like some kind of like romanticism kicked in like i see a lot of ceramicism in, like you know like soap operas or like movies and it just seemed like you know that's something i can see myself <laughs> doing like you know wearing yeah. an apron and like putting clay all over my body <laughs> so really that was the simple reason like you know no like research um it was very like instinct um like an instinct of like okay this material I think I can go with my personality so like I chose ceramics um so yeah somehow because my parents they want me to be like you know they want me to go to grad school and like become a professor um but and that wasn't my goal, but I took their support because they were going to pay for my college. So I'm like, yeah. you know, why not? Like, why not take the chance? So that's how I kind of ended up here. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. I, I um, yeah, I mean, when you touched on the, like, I guess the difference between the the ceramics early on versus let's say like metal have you I immediately thought like you're not really touching metal Mm -hmm, for it to be molded it's Uh like do you want to keep your fingers do you want to keep it look a certain (laughs) way uh so can you see like and maybe this is a little off because of like, I think my understanding of of, of what you're doing, I, I kind of view it as like transmutation in some ways or almost like alchemy or what have you. And it kind of touches back, at least from what I'm hearing, um, some of the stuff you did earlier. I like, I'm drawn over this. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and uh, so so can you see the potential like form, like the the end result as you're working through it? Or can you speak on that that process, like maybe physically or, or, or psychologically, like what you're thinking and going through your process?
1: Yeah, um, so I have many, like, a few different bodies of work that's going in my studio. Um, And I would say, like, most of the body of work, um, I never design the final outcome. So, like, I don't really have a sketchbook where, like, most artists do, like, you know, doodle and, like, you know, map ideas through drawings. Like, I usually map my ideas through objects in the process. so, like, I never know, like, how the final outcome is going to look like. Um, it's really based on the process and, like, how the process yields a certain form. Yeah. And, like, I I always describe myself as the – what's the word? Um, the activator okay. of material. Um, so, like, I let the material do what it wants to do, and I just kind of, like, select among the group. Yeah. Uh, but also the selection kind of um, – you know, it's it's my perspective on the ecosystem that I create in my studio, um, and like that's why I can call myself an artist. Like otherwise, I would just be um, like a coach in a football team. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I am kind of like I don't know where this is going. Can you can you help me center myself again? No, 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's pull back in. Let's pull back yeah. in. So,
0: so, so when. It, Within that thought process of mm-hmm. like maybe selecting the materials. I, I like where you were going at with that though. That's mm-hmm. why I was like, oh continue, please continue. Uh <laughs> you said football, It's like, so like ceramic <laughs> players? Like what are we doing? But um so in that process, like I guess generally, like best case scenario or a relatively typical cool scenario, what does that process like look like? Um, like if you're you know like within the end of this within this month you want to put out some work Mm -hmm. and uh, what what would be like those first steps those initial steps
1: um so I always start with um looking into the artifacts that I have in my studio and when I say artifacts it's um it literally means like it can be remnants or like leftover material. Um, I usually, um, I'm invested in this process called slip casting in ceramics. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Oh no, what is that? Um, so it's a mold making process and you cast with like liquid clay. Um, so the, you know, the toilet that we use in our households, they're also made through the slip casting process. They, okay. use, a, they use a plaster mold um, and inside the plaster mold, we would pour in um, liquid clay And the plaster um, absorbs the moisture from the liquid clay. So it forms this kind of like leather, hard, thick wall um, close to the plaster. And then we drain out the excess plaster. So you end up with this hollow form made out of ceramics. And we separate that from the plaster mold. Um, So that's one um, technique and process that I'm really interested in. Um, And for me, I... um, Compared to designing the different sections, like, how the molds are going to come apart, I usually just, like, pour a one batch of plaster on top of, like, whatever prototype I want to cast. Yeah. And then I use a hammer and a chisel to just, like, break it open. So it's, um, it kind of, it's similar to, like, excavating an artifact okay. yeah. from, yeah. Um, and... In the mold breaking process, like the plaster, like I can't really control the shape, how it's going to break. So yes. like I kind of let the plaster do what it wants to do, like based on the structure and like the prototype. Yeah. Um, so like those broken pieces become an artifact for me because I also only use my mold once. I never like mass produce like using the same mold and like casting like multiples out of it. Like I yeah. always work with like unique multiples. Um so like those broken molds gets repurposed as a prototype and then I would make a mold of it, break it open again, choose a broken piece of mold, recast sure. it. So like, it's like this generating, um, generative process. Yeah. Um, and that's how, that's why I describe that I create this ecosystem in my um, studio because it's similar to how like, you know, two people meet, um, they have a baby. So like, they kind of like caught like have like half of the genes of each, um, person yeah. and then that person also like meets another one like have a baby and like um so the generation or like the the population that i create with the material like it's yeah. everything is like related to each other um but yeah. yes but at the same time i'm trying to like high um accentuate or like augment the individuality of each pieces
0: i understand yeah yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> are you going somewhere now <laughs>
0: I mean, no, no, we we we're we're there, we're there. Okay, I got awesome. It. So, so um, you you touched on it earlier, um, just kind of reimagining certain aspects of what your your work is. So mm-hmm. let's let's touch on the how. What are your thoughts on the differences between traditional and maybe digital sculpture?
1: Digital sculpture. Can you um, elaborate on what you mean by digital sculpture? Like. Are you talking about like, um, um, are you using that term like to describe my work specifically, or is it like a generic thing? Um,
0: generically speaking. Yes. Okay.
1: So what would that mean? Like, are you talking about like images of sculptures that you see on like my website or? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's actually something that I've I've been thinking recently um, because my sculptures, they definitely look different from when you see it in person compared to when you see it um, through an image. Um, Also because... um, most of um, my work in the 2019 or like 2020, um, I took the photos of, I documented my sculptures with a, a photographer. His name is Yasina Mansouri, and he's also a Baltimore based photographer. And like we worked in a way, um, rather than trying to capturing how the work looks in person, like we really experimented with the light to kind mm-hmm. of um, accentuate the structure of like how the sculptures or the objects look like. So. Um, Hmm. Um. Sorry, what was the question again? No, no, <laughs> the, no. no. So, so, tradi- uh-huh. yeah, Traditional, huh? Traditional so, versus digital. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, um, that, that mm-hmm. makes that makes sense. That having someone come in, a, a photographer come in, and playing mm-hmm. with the the idea of like lighting, you mm-hmm. you're able to maybe change how it's presented because. I know, with people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lighting can change the way someone looks. Like I yes. probably look terrible right now, mm-hmm. but I'm less terrible in real life. So mm-hmm. I would imagine the the same thing applies for maybe how something like looks or what have you. So that that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And was that like in that recent exhibit that I um, saw, or
1: at Walters? Or yes,
0: yes, at Walters. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, like traditional versus digital. Um, Let me think. So I definitely had an insecurity of like presenting my work online, um, especially these days, you know, Instagram is a huge part of like the artistic practice. Yes. So like there's, um, you know, personally for me, when I look at someone else's work on Instagram and the same work in person, like I oftentimes have a disappointment because like the image doesn't match how, you know, the physical work looks like in person. It's like yeah. being catfished. So, <laughs> so <Wow. I> feel...
0: <laughs> artistic catfishing. Thank artistic you
1: the Catfishing, yes, but and like so, my insecurity was like, "Am I doing the same thing?" Like, I feel like sometimes my image looks better than how it looks physically, and also um, because the way my work is fo- um, photographed, yeah. I think a lot of people are um, question the scale when they just see the image, um, right. and in person, my objects are actually very like um, reference the domestic size of like objects, or like they're very like handheld sizes. Yeah. Um, so um, for a long time, like I tried to separate um, the traditional and like, I would say like physical compared mm-hmm. to traditional. So the like, yeah. physical and the digital. But now um, I'm being comfortable with that separation. Um, so, you know, like sometimes you're as an artist you know who you are like what kind of qualities you hold right. and at the same time when you're trying to present yourself to the public even though like the um, partial aspects that you're um, promoting as an artist they might be very like genuine but mm-hmm. when you try to like put together a story they kind of feel a little bit like manipulated or like manufactured and like fake so i'm but i'm trying to feel comfortable with that um, I'm these days I'm thinking of like the digital realm as a alternative physical rather than something virtual and like separate um yeah does that answer the question no
0: it does (laughs) and I I think it I think it goes into kind of that spot where we're a little all over the place as to when we can go in when can we not go in and things like that so Mm -hmm. people have to think of alternatives to really Mm -hmm. have their work Get experienced, in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. But, but but stepping back, you you, you mentioned uh, like you, how artists kind of perceive themselves, how they present themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. So if someone is like, "Yeah, pitch yourself," what, what what's your um, what what are those three qualities that you think are most uh, 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 pertinent for yourself? Like, if someone is like, describe yourself in in this way. What are the three traits that describe you as an artist?
1: I'm definitely. Original, but in the sense that I'm not original. It's like it's similar to mold making, where like, uh, okay, I'm just gonna give the three like phrases or like um, sentences or words first. So like, I'm original, but not at the same time not original. That's one thing. Yes. Um, the second thing is, um, my process is very OCD, but ADHD at the same time. <laughs>
0: I like that. It's, it's a butt there. It's always a butt. Yes. Was <laughs> the last one? Was the last one we got? It's a button there. We know that's a part of it.
1: Um, and my, um, the third thing to describe myself as an artist. Um, I have to say, like, I'm very true, but like fake at the same time. Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which one do you want me to elaborate on first? <laughs>
0: uh let, let's go in order. Let's go in order. That okay. was that was great. That was great. <laughs> like I'm good but also I'm bad, you know. Like look, like, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, I mean but I think they all like, you know, they they all have like the same through line. Um yeah. So like I think my work comes out as original. Um you know, I'm just going to, you know, own it like it's, it might sound cocky or like arrogant, but I feel like I never seen someone do the work that I do and not in the sense like, you know, I'm creating a new discipline. It's more like the way I find my forms and shapes Mm -hmm. um, and how um, um, like literally like, you know, I'm doing visual art. So like visually (laughs) I haven't seen someone else do what I do. Um, But at the same time, this is only like the work that I make is only possible because of the conventional or like traditional path that I've been learning through craft Mm -hmm. um so like if I don't have the um, my background in craft I wouldn't be making something that I I'm making so like I'm learning these days that like there's no such thing as like true originality like original the the sense Mm -hmm. like the definition of original comes from like copying personalities from like other people and like putting them together in your own unique way. There's nothing about like um so there's this exhibition called Shapes um Shapes from Nowhere at Met. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a ceramics show and I feel like that title is a very contradicting because like there's no such thing as like shapes from nowhere. It has right. to come from somewhere. It's just the combination and like how you construct it together that might look um, otherworldly, but it doesn't yeah. mean you can disregard or you can't violate violate the history of like whatever shape or like where it came from. Um, yes. So, like, in that sense, like, I feel like I became an original person, but this is only because of, like, whatever background or culture I hold um,
0: I give it your as self, a yeah. person.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what was the second thing I said? I don't remember.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think that's fine. I think that I think that's fine. Delve it into it because uh, I was I was enraptured. I was like, oh, tell mm-hmm. me more. Tell me more. I know there was a button there. No. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, that that's like. I always have a butt, you know, <laughs> physically and metaphorically. Like I always have a butt.
0: <laughs> so we have artistic catfishing and metaphoric butts. That's what yes, we have? yes. All right, we, we're getting quotables here. We're getting all of the quotables.
1: <laughs> I love how you're just like paraphrasing perif- for me, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is what I do, you know, podcast. Uh, but yeah the that that notion um and and maybe this applies in kind of what i do like Mm -hmm. i I tell people all the time like in in doing this podcast stuff it's like this is nothing quote-unquote original my take Mm -hmm. and approach to it might be original and unique to me because it's me doing it but Mm -hmm. people you've been interviewed before you've answered questions before and maybe Mm -hmm. there is some overlap Mm -hmm. but you may not have had an interview that's done in this fashion or mm-hmm. had a person that's, you know, had you, you know, you're, you're laughing at or whatever, you're, you're interacting in this mm-hmm. manner. So it's new while being familiar or old or what have you. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's the way I kind of look at it. So I definitely mm-hmm. resonated with that first one.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it's my first podcast, um, to say, yes.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: <laughs> yes. Religious. I. I'm no longer a podcast virgin anymore.
0: <laughs> so we have... <laughs> We have three things now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> There's a limit. There's a limit we can have here. <laughs> All right. So um, I have I have two more questions for you. And again, thank mm-hmm. you for your time. This is this of is going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Memorable, memorable responses um, to your work. What, what's mm-hmm. something that comes to mind? Like, do you go to and I know it's a little weird because of COVID and all, but are you around to see people as they experience your work? Or do you, have you read about your work and kind of say, OK, yeah, that's really memorable. That's going to stick with me, how someone received my my work or viewed my work.
1: Mm. Um. So I would say, like um, very recently, I've been able to interact um, with people and like show my work in person. Like in the past, like a couple of years, it was mostly through um, images of my work. Yeah. Um, like either if it's like an application or like doing virtual studio visits or like just even Instagram. Like Instagram and like um, what artist websites have really like taken over my practice somehow. Um, it's the same way like how you're presenting yourself um, through. Um, like if you're if you have a selfie of yourself, mm-hmm. um, is that you, or is that just an image of you? And like that's how I I felt about my objects these days um, because like I communicate mostly with images. Yeah. Um, sorry, what was the, uh, the re- memorable responses? Yeah. Um. I've been recently hearing that my work feels very bodily um one person which was really refreshing to me mentioned that they see faces in my sculptures um and I don't um when they say faces I don't think um he meant like literally meant like he sees a facial structure I think it was more of like a facial expression like they see an expression like an emotion that um that is kind of like um permanent in my work um So that's one thing I'm trying to really tap on, like rather than trying to like like, over-intellectualize my work. um, I'm really just going with the emotions and like how my objects like speak to me through the, um, so like the structure becomes an expression. And like there's this like um, non-personal, like unhuman, like emotion that's Mm -hmm. being expressed through my work that I'm trying to like understand yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like that would be one of the most like memorable responses um, that I gained um, received these days. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, here's the last question.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, if you've if you've if you've been listening to the podcast, some of the earlier ones, people were nervous about this question.
1: What is it? <laughs> I heard. I I I have to admit, like I um listened to one hosie hosie's yeah. um interview that you had. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so. This this one is not going to be a scary one, so you're good. Uh, mm-hmm. But describe um, describe your experience in Baltimore and, and, and what does it mean to to be an artist with connections to to Baltimore?
1: Oh, that's a really hard question. It's, <gasps> it's like a really simple one, but a very hard one, um, especially because I'm going to be honest. Um, simple
0: but hard. OK, that's another one. That's a fourth yeah. one now.
1: I'm going to be honest. I didn't come to Baltimore because of Baltimore. Okay. I came, so I went to school outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, after graduating from school, I spent three months um, in New York just to try out the city. I used up all the money I earned <laughs> through babysitting. Um, and then I came to Baltimore because I got this um, long-term residency at Baltimore Claywork. So I ended up staying in Baltimore for two and a half years. Um, yeah. And then right now in New York, I'll, I'll be returning after the summer residency, but the only, oh my God, this, this is going to sound terrible. The only reason I chose to come to Baltimore is because um, I knew nothing about Baltimore City, nothing about the history. Um, my only goal was like, it's close to D.C., it's mm-hmm. close to Philly, it's close to New York. Yeah. So to me, it was kind of like a cushioned city, like I will stay here and I will expand from here to other cities. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it, I, I think that kind of relates to like how I live my life and how I see my objects where like I say like there's nothing original. So like the originality of Baltimore comes from like where it's located. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very my my impression of Baltimore is that it's very raw and that's such a precious quality that it, that a city can have. Um, it might mean that it doesn't have a character yet. Like I'm talking specifically in the art scene, um, especially because like, you know, it has a huge art school and like, if it has a huge art school, like the expectation is that, you know, the graduate students were like, they will linger around the, um, the city and like create this like really vibrant community, but I don't think it's quite there yet. I think a lot of, um, graduates from, you know, Micah, um, they still tend to go to Philly or like New York. Um Micah, as a school, they bring their faculty from the bigger cities rather than um, looking into Baltimore and the local resources. Sure. So in that sense, it's raw and like it's unrecognized even for the people who are living here. Um, so that really attracted me because I was also in a very vulnerable state. Um, so, like, when I wanted to make a connection in, a like, a bigger artistic network, I could, you know, travel easily to another city. But sure. Baltimore was a place where I found comfort and being able to experiment with whatever I want to do. And, like, everyone would be just, like, interested. Because, like, there's no um, solid commercial um, scene that's created here. Yeah. And that's such a... Um, it's it means it's free from capitalism it's free from how other people look at art and like how i sh- like i i don't need to fulfill a certain um taste yeah so i think that's how i was able to just like do what i want to do and people are like interested in it like just the way it is like they don't expect uh-huh. <laughs> yeah they don't expect it to be like you know a painting or a sculpture like the conventional way yeah. um The way that I just, like, carried on with my craft um, was also raw, so, like, it kind of matches the personality with the city, too. Um, So, yeah, Baltimore is just, like, a raw city, and, like, I you know, at one point it's going to reach its own maturity. Like yeah. it's going to be cooked in some way. Um, I don't know, like what kind of dish is going to be turned out to. <laughs> uh, I like that. I like
0: that. I like where you're going with that. I was like, hold up. What? I was like, Baltimore's going to be cooked. I mean, it's, it's 94 degrees right now. Yes. yes.
1: It's already on. getting there. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's how I see it. Like it's, it's more like Baltimore is more of an ingredient than a dish. Okay. And like, yeah. I like, I like that idea. Like, um, you know, Um, I think raw food is a trend these days. (laughs) So your body can really take all the nutrition from it rather than just like, you know, um, having a dish to like fulfill your um, taste or like wanting to taste a certain flavor. Like you can create your own flavor from the ingredients. And I think Baltimore is that kind of city.
0: And I I, I feel like I read something that kind of kind of pins that up is it's that potential. It, it's just like seeing the potential in something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whether it be in the way maybe some, some form is created, but seeing the potential that can be there. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's kind of what you're getting at with with Baltimore mm-hmm. being raw. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. But potential like potential is also a very um, tricky concept, I think, um, because when you see a potential talent in the city, um, Um, I'm also mentioning this related to like how I won my prize and like, um, I think these prizes, um, they're designed to keep talent in Baltimore, but I really believe that like through these like artistic opportunities, they should not try to keep the, um, the talents in Baltimore, but it, it should just be a way of discovering talent and letting that talent go wherever it wants to go, um. Because of that freedom, it's going to, again, if it lets go of a talent, a new talent will just kick in. So, like, um, I really wish Baltimore um, and, like, whoever, like, runs the city, like, um, in terms of, like, the artistic practice and, like, um, promoting art, they should understand the turnover of talent and, like, just, like, rotating it as if, like, it's a really fast-going restaurant. Like, bring people in, let go if they want to go. Just, like, (laughs) yeah, just, like create a circulation of like people coming in like eventually in the long term there will be people that ends up settling in and mm-hmm. those people will create the identity of the city in the long yeah. long run yeah
0: because i think it helps spread that wealth too because i, I believe that and i and i've heard it actually that there's a sense that uh, there it, it people are only certain people are being looked for for opportunities and it doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be as spread around as some folks would like but I think to your to your point if you're if it's being treated like well let these artists go wherever you're not going to hold them here mm-hmm. and you're able to feel like you're enriching the community that that exists as opposed to maybe someone that's here for a season, as it were.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like once you have like expectations of like, you know, trying to like hold a talent in a one like one place, then that relates to obligation and obligation. Like it eventually becomes oppression. Mm -hmm. Yes. So like you have to really liberate to like bring in people and like liberation is the only way to like have people settle down in like a place or like a mindset or, you know, a space or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. So that's all the questions I have. Um, mm-hmm. I want to give you the opportunity to plug, plug, plug away uh, website, social media, whatever you want to plug. And thank you again.
1: Of course, it was um, it was a pleasure. So are you giving me a chance to just like promote myself like freely? Yes. Oh, that's a hard thing to do. Can I like so rather than promoting myself, can I just mention one thing that's been like on my mind for a long time? Please. Um, so. I'm going to have to say that I was very hesitant to do this podcast, not because I didn't want to talk with you. Like I would be more than welcome to like, you know, have a conversation, like um, conversation with you and like get to know you in a personal realm. Um, But I've been recently thinking a lot of um, how artists are presenting themselves to the public. Um, And I'm speaking as an artist who holds a visa um I'm not an American citizen um I'm an immigrant and so I'm currently I'm under an artist visa it's typically called an, uh, called an artist visa um the official term I think it's um individual with exceptional talent or exceptional ability in the arts or the um yeah. in the sports so like I'm exceptional like somehow but I want to say that um My practice in the past three, four years has been really driven and um, identified through the public events that I carry on, like exhibitions, publications, interview, like this podcast would be also one of it. And oftentimes artists don't want to tell their stories like they want to stay quiet. They want their artwork to speak for them. Yeah. I think um, it's really neglected because um, neglected that some artists, especially immigrant artists, they are forced to prove themselves through these like public events that they are an artist because because of the nature of the visa application, you want to, the, the USCIS doesn't know about anything about art. They don't know anything about art practice. So they need like a concrete or like a solid evidence. Um, they will only treat you or like validate you as an artist if you have exhibitions, if you have interviews or publications. So that's why I'm kind of like keep on carrying on with these um, opportunities. Yeah. I feel like at this point I became an opportunity hoarder. <laughs> Like, I'm just like, offering it? okay, come, like, I'll put you on my resume and like, that will help me to like, f- um, you know, find my place as an artist in the United States. So sure. I'm not very happy with how I'm perceived or like currently, um, seen publicly as an artist. Like there's a huge gap between like how I see myself as an artist and like how I put myself out there in the real world. And like, this isn't because, you know, like, um. I want to build my resume it's more because the system Mm -hmm. only um, requires me to do this in order to stay in this country. Um, So I just want to, you know, just shout out to all the immigrant artists that are living in the U.S. Um, I know there's this huge gap and like identity crisis between like how you want to be an artist and like how you should be an artist um, to stay here. So like um, for the people who are listening to this podcast or like the people who are just like in general interested in art and therefore artists, I want them to consider um, how this kind of like system kicks in um, in our identity building. Yeah
0: that's mm-hmm. that's that's important and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and thank you for um for sharing it
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. uh, i think it is i think you're right it is something that's overlooked and i'll, I'll tell you off mic because i don't want to put this on here but i'll tell mm-hmm. you off mic about um, how i relate to that mm-hmm. uh so um again thank you for being on the podcast um yeah so i'm rob lee for hey once on saying that there is art in and around baltimore you just gotta look for it